The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Podcast Beyond. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is this is not Jonathan Dornbush. Where is he? Well, I have to tell you that Jonathan Dornbush has he's left IGN for the week. Whoa, what? He'll he'll be back. What? He'll be back next week. Oh, he'll be back next week. Sorry, <laughs> you can't do that to me. I just everybody just had a mini heart attack. So I, I'm taking the reins. I'm doing the show. It's going to be a very different show because I don't do this every week like Dornbush does. So I don't have the uh, the fortitude that he has. But luckily, I don't have to do it alone. I'm joined as always by Jada Griffin. Hello, hello, and I will be also helping out today. So you're not alone. Mark, I, I never you. feel I never feel alone when I'm with you. But we also have a couple of guests. One is a one is a podcast beyond regular, Mitchell Saltzman. Hello, Mitchell. Hello, hello. Podcast. Or I was gonna say podcast gang rise up. Carpool gang rise up. Yes. That's what me, me, and Mark, me and Mark are the the carpool gang. Yeah, this this was always <laughs> the dream. Get Dornbush out of there. The, we just we need we need Brandon Hunt. We need Brian Malkowitz. I'm just gonna keep saying names that people don't recognize. <laughs> and then also also here is uh, Ronnie Barrier. Hi, Ronnie. S- speaking of names that people don't recognize. Thank you for yeah. having me here. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm sure a lot of people don't know, but Ronnie actually used to produce podcast beyond That's until true. uh until kate came in and fired him and she, she took over she walked in the door and just like kicked me out as hard as she could and said this That's is right. my show now and then six simpo- months <laughs> was it what's 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 the uh the reuse kick the simpu yak simpu yak i can't i can't even this, say it i'm terrible oh, tatsumaki simpu kyaku <laughs> There you it's go. Po- Look at po- that. See, and that's no, why Ronnie. This podcast is already getting nerdy. And that's why Ronnie used to produce Beyond. But Kate came in and improved on it, and uh, with the uh, the Tatsumaki Simpiaku, and uh, you know that's that's, that's it, the rest is history. Well, speaking- I, apo- I apologize for blowing out anyone's eardrums with my impression of Ryu saying that that move. But <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mark. Go ahead. The only way to say no, it. no, no, no. So, so. <laughs> Street Fighter is something we're definitely going to talk about later. We're also going to talk about Horizon. It, it, it got a new patch. That's awesome. The game barely came out, and it's already got a pretty good patch. Uh, PlayStation VR got a headset. We know what it looks like now. We got some pictures of it. And, of course, PlayStation Plus March games have been announced, so there's exciting stuff there. But first, we're going to talk about the, the thing that's on everybody's mind, and that is Elden Ring. It got reviewed today. IGN gave it a 10 and we got the reviewer here, Mitchell Saltzman. So we're going to dedicate a lot of the episode to talking about what Mitchell thought, what Ronnie thought, 
and why me and Jada should be excited because we didn't get to play the game early. So that's it is what it is. <laughs> so <laughs> let's start with the review. Mitchell, you reviewed it. You gave it a 10. Let's let's hear your thoughts. Let's hear what you thought of the game. So, yeah, so I gave it a 10. Uh, I think I think, you know, depending on who you ask, you'll get a different answer for what a 10 means. For me, a 10 has always mean uh, has always meant one of two things. It's either like the the peak standard of a of a genre that you know just is it's like a, a almost like a Mario Galaxy kind of thing where it's like this is the the best example of a 3D platformer that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um or it's a game that is exceptional in almost every way and also has the added bonus of pushing a genre forward. I think that's what Elden Ring does. This is this is a game that I think we're going to be looking back on uh, you know, years from now as a, as a game that kind of pushed the, the open world genre into a, a new direction, which honestly, I think it kind of needed to go to, because I, I don't know about you guys. I get, I get exhausted playing a lot of open world games these days. They, they all kind of do very similar things of like, you know, just having a whole massive side quests that I'm, I'm never going to complete all, all of them. Uh, there's all kinds of different, you know, repeatable events everywhere. Uh, and it, it just it, it gets kind of tiring, and what Elden Ring does is it kind of it kind of takes the the thing that Breath of the Wild did, and it just kind of sets you loose in this giant open world and lets you do whatever you want and make discoveries for yourself. You don't need to be told to go anywhere. You can just see something in the distance, head over to it, have like a really interesting encounter that results in some kind of either crazy dungeon or fight and you get rewarded for it. Um, and on top of that, there's also like a main quest line that you can go through. Um, but if you don't want to follow that, you can discover side paths that take you to different regions that all have their own interesting, uh, interesting enemies to fight and dungeons to uncover. It's just, it's the absolute pinnacle of freedom in a video game. In, in as far as I'm concerned, um, which is what Breath of the Wild did so well back in 2018, I want to say. 17. 17. Uh, so, yeah, so it's it for me, it's the first game in, you know, five years that has kind of reached that same level of, of freedom in an open world game on top of just, you know, the already fantastic combat that From Software has been so good at over the years. The, you know, the excellent boss battles the uh you know the the depth of the character creation and how you can mm. you know create this specific build for for your playstyle and you know enhance it by finding different weapons by upgrading those weapons to you know your own specific tastes uh and then that's all on top of you know pvp and co-op that i i, I didn't even get a chance to really mess with because the the servers were so bare for for the review period mm-hmm. so it's just it's phenomenal in so many different ways in addition to also having that extra bonus of you know pushing a genre in a direction that i think it needs to go it, it's funny i have not i didn't get to play the network test but i i never really people always do this thing that I really, really don't like, and they compare Horizon to Breath of the Wild. I didn't expect to see so much Elden Ring compared to, like, I didn't expect to see so much Breath of the Wild footage in your review, but it, <laughs> it, it didn't seem, like, out of place at all. It seemed 
an apt comparison. Yeah, uh, and I, I know I know people don't like you know seeing all the Breath of the Wild comparisons, but it 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 has to be done because they're this it's really the best game to to compare this to. Uh, mm-hmm. Elden Ring really continues what Breath of the Wild kind of started. I think, the, and I mentioned this in the review. The one thing that Breath of the Wild you know does is it it, it has that curiosity factor of seeing something off in the distance going to it but usually i could expect what was going to happen when i when i went to the the glowing orange thing off in the distance you know it would be some sort of of shrine i would do a puzzle i would get rewarded in kind of the same way in elden ring it's never it's never the same kind of of uh result when you when you go and check something out it might be you know a a really cool uh battle that you n- you've never really experienced between you know different forces that are fighting each other it might be a bear that is you know scratching up a, a tree trying to get food mm. uh there's all ki- and there's all kinds of different rewards you can get from completing those dungeons and, and those events and those forts and and everything as well so yeah there's just uh, it's it's so good guys. <laughs> it's so and- so good and you did this all in 30 hours because Miyazaki says it's a 30-hour game. Of course. You did it in 30 uh, hours. It's amazing. I, I see what you did there. I don't know. I, <laughs> I have the utmost utmost respect for Hidetaka Miyazaki. Um, but to say that this game takes 30 hours to beat, I think, is just insanity. <laughs> it is, it's just crazy. I, I, don't even th- I don't think I beat the first major boss before i was 30 hours in or i might have like just done it i want to so you're not the only person here or like jada's played elden ring she played the network test mm-hmm. but ronnie you've also had a lot of experience with the final game but you haven't gotten quite as far just because being on the gameplay team the three of us here that are on the gameplay team will you'll find that you're playing the opening of a game over and over and over again. Like I was telling these guys yesterday in our planning meeting, the opening section of Horizon where you walk with Varl and stuff like that. I've done that section like 12 times. It is <laughs> so Ronnie, you have a lot of experience with kind of the opening area of the game, the the non-spoilery section. So I'm interested to hear like your take on it so far, knowing that you haven't gotten as far as Mitchell. Yeah, I've probably put about 50 hours or so into the game and my furthest save file is like 25 hours in so that lets you know just how many times i've been replaying the beginning sections that being said (laughs) uh i'm not bored of the beginning sections of that game which i think says a lot about it um (laughs) having you know gone through with like every class and and figured out stuff that way but uh mitchell you said one thing in your review that really stuck out to me and i agree with and that if you just took all the dungeons in this game and stacked them together you'd have a like a good Dark Souls 4. Um, I've only yeah. been through two of those so far, but I if it goes on the same pace, I tend to agree. Plus, with all the open world exploration, freedom, and discovery stuff um, in the middle of it, um, I've never received uh, so many like funny-slash-angry messages from other people who are working on this at the same time, saying, like, <laughs> why did you tell me to do this? I hate you for telling me to do this. And I was like, I thought it'd be funny. Um, but it's just a bunch of a lot of really fun. Like, I think I know uh, exactly who's been sending those messages to yeah. you. Um, <laughs> you've probably gotten the same. Uh, but like a lot of, I mean, emergent gameplay is, is said too much in things like Breath of the Wild, but um, nothing feels, everything you do in this game feels like you 
stumbled upon it by accident, but in the best way possible, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. No, it Um, totally does. Yeah, so it's... Everything is planned to the degree to where nothing feels like it's planned. And again, this again that probably makes no sense. Um, but it's it's just a really special game to to spend time in. And it's it's a bit of a shame we didn't have a whole lot of time to play it. I mean, you went through so fast and and played everything that you could in the time you were given. But like, this is the kind of game you really just want to luxuriate in and take your time in and just explore every corner of the world. Um, Ronnie, are I, you? Are you doing that typical gameplay thing where now that the game's out and you finally get to put some of the content up tomorrow, it's not up today, but it'll be up tomorrow. Uh, are you excited to just, I, I assume you're excited to just be able to finally play the game how it's meant to be played? Oh, for sure. I will be uh, sleeping for many days. And then after that, <laughs> I'm going to play this a whole lot. Um, I've barely, I've barely been into Horizon. I'm like two hours in. Um but I think I want to. I want to get all the way through Elden Ring first. I love Horizon. I love the first one, and I've sure. been loving what I played with the second one. But uh, this this game has just really grabbed me in a way that a lot of games haven't recently. So something I want to do is Jada. You have played mm-hmm. some Elden Ring. You've played the network test, and I, I know yep. you're a really big Souls fan. So I want to hear about your experience with what you've played so far. And yeah. how you feel about everything they're saying. But then I also want Mitchell to then tell you how it's completely different in the final game. I've heard it's a little different, <laughs> so I, I, I'm interested <laughs> to hear. People who have played the network test, are do do they have a good idea? Like, that's what I want to know. So let's start with, like, mm. what you've thought of the game so far. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's funny. I played the network test very differently than I traditionally play uh, my Souls games. <laughs> Because um, you come out the tutorial dungeon and then there's just like one NPC that's standing there and like I think they insult you right off the bat. Oh, and yeah, I that guy I was like, Yeah, I'm like, I'm not taking this insult. So I instantly <laughs> slapped him down. Um <laughs> so I was like, for you? <laughs> I was like, I don't ca- um honestly it took me two tries uh before I killed him. Um but he was yeah, he hit really hard. Um but I was like, it's a network test, so I don't really care about NPC stories and branching quest lines that come from certain NPCs. So I just killed him, and then I sp- and I spent the whole time kind of like, hey, there's something over there I want to uh, explore, and I went and did that. Um, like I saw the water on the shore, so I ran to the shore, um, totally bypassed all the stuff to get my horse, bypassed like all the level up stuff. I was just like, I want to go explore. Don't even care about the story um, or any of the like mechanics being added. I want to see the world. And so I went and did that. Um, I got to the shore of the water. Thankfully, there was a blood stain because I was going to see. I was like, can I swim? But there's a blood stain. I clicked it and it just saw the, the, uh, the what is it? The ghost or whatever, the image fall off like, basically a cliff into the water. So no, you cannot swim if anybody was still wondering that um, <laughs> in Elden Ring. Unless that's changed, Mitchell. <laughs> no, it has not changed. Yeah. You swim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no swimming combat till Elden Ring two. Um, got it. Um, but yeah, no. And then I, you know, I eventually went around, did a bunch of the story stuff, got my horse, got the upgrades, fought a couple like of the extra bosses, and then I made my way to the main boss. Uh, what is his name? Margit or something like that. I can't Margit remember. Fell. Yeah, Margit and the Fell. Yeah. So, yep. And so went and fought him. Um, I relied very heavily on summons because I wanted to test that new mechanic in the uh, 
Hi, Gemma. Just, I did not realize that my cat was in this room. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Normally, she is nowhere to be found. Um, um, but That's yeah, awesome. and so I played around with the summons a lot. Uh, I did use the wolves, um, which were actually really strong against Margit. And then I also, I don't know if it was a bug during the closed network test or some type of exploit I found, but um, I took the dragon head enhancement for the spell where your head literally like gets engulfed in a dragon. And you just breathe fire out, um, which is amazing. I love that spell. Um, but I had it on occasion with certain boss fights where it just wouldn't charge me mana. It was only charging me stamina. So I could literally just nonstop burn my enemies. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. I could just go through the whole game, just burning everybody with the head of a dragon. Um, I'm I'm sold on this game, hundred percent. But I loved all the bosses. The bosses were great. I like Mitchell was saying they're very like creative. I think some of the enemy design that I've seen from the network test is the best enemy design I've seen in a Souls game. Period. Like it's just it's so excellent. Um. So Mitchell, you played the network test, right? Yeah. Oh God, I played the hell out of the network <laughs> test. <laughs> so, so are there any surprises now that you've played the hell out of the regular game? That you know, the final release. Are there any surprises for people that have played the network test that that they're going to get on Friday? Um, if you played the network test, <clears throat> I think that first area is is pretty similar. There's a couple of different. Oh man, there's one big surprise that I don't want to. I don't want to ruin. Um, but. Yeah, they 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 change the 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 location or they change what items go in like different chests and uh mm. you know they change what you can you can get in that early part of the game. Uh god, there's such a really good surprise. There's two really good surprises <laughs> that I don't want to ruin for people. So I'm just not going to say anything about them, but yeah, there there's so many great moments in this game that just had me like, you know, yell, like exclaiming oh my god holy hell like holy crap <laughs> uh and it, it's just god I, any any time a game can make me do that um it's it's an amazing thing i think and this game does that not even just multiple multiple times like you know at least 30 40 times <laughs> <laughs> so a big question that I have that I think a lot of people always have when it comes to all these Dark Souls games is like, which one is the hardest? And so I'm not asking you to rank every Souls game as far as difficulty goes. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have two questions, I, I guess, for both of you, because, Ronnie, you're you're a fan of the genre as well. I, I want to know, like, where would you guys put this as far as, like, your favorite Souls game? And then as far as difficulty goes, like, is this your favorite Souls game now, Mitchell? It's it's tough to say because the first Dark Souls game not only is just, you know, amazing, an amazing game, but also it just it kind of means a lot to me. It was at a very special part of my life where, you know, it was like my first job in the industry, um, you know, doing doing a, a whole walkthrough series for for Dark Souls, um, you know, kind of being brought into the the dark souls community and like being supported by by you know really nice comments that were kind of cheering me on i just it it made it so that 
that go- that game is kind of inseparable from that feeling of of that time period of my life. Mm-hmm. So like Dark Souls one will always have a very very special moment in my or very special place in my heart. Um, but as far as like just quality of of game goes, like these games they keep on getting better with the exception of Dark Souls two, which is still a great <laughs> game. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I think this is you know definitely the most impressive game that from software has ever made it has some of the best bosses um the enemies are some of the most challenging ones i've ever played uh to answer your question about which one's the hardest honestly and this might be surprising to people given the fact given the the fact that hidetaka miyazaki has said that more people will beat this game than than any of the prior souls games i think this game is the hardest souls games i've or i've ever uh hardest souls game i've ever played um even Yikes. even with all the ways that it it you know it gives you summons it gives you uh you know the 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 stake of marika that can basically respawn you at certain boss fights right at the start of it uh because of those those little boons that they give you i feel like they're they're turning they turned up the difficulty on certain mm. boss fights even even higher um especially towards the end man oh the end the end is rough going <laughs> and ronnie like- would you would you more or less agree with with everything mitchell's saying i know it's hard for you to like rank it seeing as you still have a while to go but uh you know how how is it stacking up for the other souls experiences for you and, and difficulty wise as well yeah i i kind of have the same thing that mitch has with uh dark souls but with bloodborne when i first started my my own youtube stuff making my own videos one of my first big one that i put a lot of time into was a bloodborne video um, unlike Mitch, no one ever saw that because who wanted to watch me at that point? Um, but it was definitely it was not a, me. No, We've all been there. Sure. We've I, all been there. I certainly don't. Um, but no, it, it's a game that's very much tied to, I think, my career in the games industry. So that's that's hard to separate that, like Mitch said. Um, in terms of difficulty for this one, that's at a certain point, I think Miyazaki might just be trolling us a little bit because he did say... <laughs> He knows how much people hate Blight Town, but he's going to keep putting poison swamps in his games anyway. So he's just going to gonna, be fair. Yeah, the point, the poison. I mean, I don't want to spoil everything, but there are there are some some swamps that you can go across that will give you nasty effects. But a lot of the times, you can use your horse to just get through them. So it's not That's quite good. as bad as it typically has been in in other FromSoft games. For sure. Uh, but in terms of the uh, difficulty, I think as well, being able to explore an open world and not have to beat your head up against the same boss over and over, and there are a million other things you can go do, I think that does help alleviate some of the stress um, when you could just say, this guy is too hard right now, I need to leave, do something else and come back later. I don't, I'm not, you know, bottlenecked to this area. Uh, that being said, Mitch, I know there was one point where you had four different bosses open to you and you couldn't beat any of them. And so you were kind of at a loss of what to do. And of course, some of that is probably the time crunch you were on. But mm-hmm. uh, there are ways to alleviate that difficulty, but it is still a very, very hard game in a lot of ways. Yeah, in the review, I say that I was never at a complete loss of what to do or where to go. But there were moments that I was like, what What do I... I, I can't beat any of the bosses that I'm currently at. What am I supposed... Where am I supposed to go? Um and the answer to that was just not fight those four bosses that I was 
you know, up against. There's so many other ways I could have gone that, uh, you know, took me down different paths that would, you know, give me uh, either, even, even if it's just as simple as just giving me a, an opportunity to get more runes to level up more. Um, but sometimes they also gave me an opportunity to get a new summon, to get weapon, uh, they're called like weapon shards to, to upgrade my weapon and make it more powerful. Um, there's, there's so many different types of rewards that you can get in this game that can help you out. Um, and yeah, so even though uh, there were several moments where I was just at several different walls that I could not overcome uh, by just, you know, leaving them alone for a little while and coming back to them one at a time, I was able to pretty, you know, comfortably overcome anything that was a, initially a, a hurdle to me, except the final boss. Final mm. boss, you guys, you're not ready for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I can tell you right now I'm not. I, I and I probably won't be a hundred hours from now. A hundred hours into the game. I'm just Yeah, I don't wanna mm. I don't wanna have to make Kate bleep certain aspects of this podcast, but I won't repeat the message that Mitchell sent me in the middle of fighting that final boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was definitely getting a little salty. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. One thing I do want to mention, um, you might have been coming to this, Mark, but this, like most From Software games, this isn't 
a great game technically a lot of the time. Uh, there can be a lot of frame rate issues, uh, a lot of performance issues, um, some that actually impacted bosses for me. I was playing on PC, and mm-hmm. some of the stuff might come up later. It might be fixed in patches, things like that. But at least the version that I played, there were several times on Margit in particular, one of the early harder bosses, where if the game would hitch mid-swing, um, and I'd die from that. And mm-hmm. I I probably spent a good five to seven hours troubleshooting just PC f- performance issues. Um, I've got a 2080 Ti and a good processor in, in my machine, so it's not like it's a... But do a, you have 12 gigabytes of RAM? I have 32 gigabytes of RAM. <laughs> is, it something that can, RAM. <laughs> is it something that's that can be... Machine. I mean, um, I've got 64, so... Oh my God, I, th- I legit <laughs> I think, I, I think, I think I have 16. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, is this something that you think could be chalked up to... You know, we had this discussion two episodes ago when we were talking about Horizon and some of the bugs that it was having. Is is do you think it's something that could be chalked up to early release, like early, getting to play the game before the wider market? I mean, you know, the game does come out in two days, so yeah, I I always have this thing where people think like, well, you're playing it early, and I'm like, yeah, I'm playing it the day before it comes out, and and a lot of people think day one patch means day one, and that's not always true. Horizon's day one patch came out five days before the game came out Mm -hmm. and so a lot of our gameplay the review and a lot of the videos i put up were day one patch gameplay that still saw a lot of those issues so do you think it's something is is it the the privilege of playing the game early or do you think it's something that other people might encounter i mean it it could be Uh, i also don't think we should really give from software the benefit of the doubt on the technical front um Mm. bloodborne has bad frame pacing issues and frame rate issues the first Dark Souls that was released, I can't remember if they published that, but that had major issues on PC. Um, even on oh, consoles, I, oh my gosh, I remember I mean, Dark Souls one on PC. Mm-hmm. You needed it, a it pod. Was, yeah, yeah, you. It was it was is bad. I, I also remember Dark Souls one playing on 360 and PS3. Like just the the, the biggest challenge of Blight Town was the frame rate itself. Like <laughs> yeah. the game would yeah, just it was like in the low twenties. Yeah, um, but like even even on PS5 in the performance mode, like. You get grass texture pop in like 15 feet in front of you if you're sprinting. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, this might all be fixed by the time you see it. Just there were some issues that I ran into uh, Got it. playing through it. Yeah, and that's also something that I, I kind of point out in in the definitely in the written review. I don't remember if, how much I harp on it in the the video review, but uh, yeah, it, it you know for every breath of the wild comparison there's also the compare like there's also the fact that this also has you know some performance issues like breath of the wild uh, mm-hmm. i also have a, a 2080 ti um not quite as much ram as ronnie does <laughs> but uh <laughs> but yeah I, I i had some definitely some stuttering issues definitely some some hitching issues but it never got to a, it never happened at a point where like it was in the middle of a battle it was like you know when I had alt tabbed and I came back into the game, it would mm. like, you know, do a big old hitch and then it would speed right. up to catch, to catch up to itself. Um, or like when I was going through a area with, with particularly dense, like foliage, uh, it would like, it would stutter just a little bit. Um, but it it's never weird, happened. It sounds like a network issue. Like the whole, like it catching up to you. Like, you know, it seems like a, a server ping issue. I thought about that, and I, I played quite a bit of it in offline mode just to make sure that it wasn't doing and that. It, and it still happens. Mm-hmm. Mm. Got it. Uh, Jada, yeah. do you have any Do you have any questions? I, I, I actually still have a, a, a few more, but I'm, I'm going to let you jump in here and ask any questions you might have. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, the Souls games have all been very kind of read between the lines when it comes to story and lore. And obviously, you know, we have George R.R. R. Martin created the what the characters in the world right for this one. And yeah, then he was Miyazaki. the scenario writer, basically. Exactly. There you go. And then uh, Miyazaki came in and kind of went and did what he wanted to do with everything that was the police, the pieces put on the board. Uh, how does Elden Ring kind of compare when it comes to story and the lore and such? Like, is it a little bit easier for the more casual players to follow? Or are we still going to be looking forward to people? Those people are going to be still looking forward to YouTubers that make these like all the lore in Elden Ring and everything you need to know. I think uh, Vati is still gonna gonna get a lot of views on his uh, his Elden Ring videos. <laughs> you, there's not much in the way of of traditional cutscenes. You got you know your intro cutscene. You've got a cutscene before a boss. You got a cutscene after a boss, and the rest is kind of just you going on your own and discovering the lore for yourself. Um, mm. There's a ton of NPCs in this game to, to talk to, and they have a ton of dialogue they can go through. If you just keep on talking to them. Um, in addition to that, there are these like sword kind of sword graves that you can find that all have like little, little lore uh, posts on them. Um, and then on top of that, there's of course the, the item descriptions that, you know, everyone talks about for, from soft games that, do the the heavy lifting of the the world building, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's very similar to to how it it was in the past. Uh, I actually am looking forward to going through it again and having the the context of the whole story, um, so I can kind of pick up on some some things I might have you know might have glossed over me at first. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, it, it, it's very much the same. I think that's. You know Miyazaki's intention. That's this is how he enjoys to create games. He wants to mm -hmm. make games that people get out of what they what they put in. Yeah, I think in terms of like mm -hmm. opening mission and like the directive of what you're supposed to do might be a little more clear than the other games. Like the opening cutscenes pretty much tell you like, hey, the Elden Ring has been shattered. These five people have it. Go get those shards back. Become the Elden Lord. And like that's pretty clear early on what you want to do, but in terms of like, yeah, the side lore descriptions and item stuff and weird NPCs, all that stuff is still there to uh, really scratch your head about for most of the game. So I'm I'm looking forward to those lore videos as well. That's going to be fun to dive into. Nice. Um, so uh, Ronnie, you probably can speak to this better than Mitchell, uh, just because you spent a lot of time with all the opening classes, all the classes and such going through the opening a hundred times, because, you know, that's what we pay you to do. Um, <laughs> uh, how do the starting classes kind of compare? Which classes do you think are better for the more casual or beginner audience that are coming into Elden Ring? Maybe it's their first Souls game, maybe the more experienced people, and then like the experts like Mitchell, who put in 90 hours in three days, which isn't physically possible, but he still manages to do it. Which, mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts on the starting classes? Uh, I do have uh, tomorrow a feature coming out about which, which class is going to be best for you. And I kind of break down what you, each one nice. does. Um, but I would say if you want to go like straight sword and board, uh, good shield, good sword build, I'd go with a vagabond early on. Um, just unequip the halberd. You don't have to fat roll. If you do that, you get a normal roll. Um, but you have a shield with that that has 100% damage absorption, um, mm. which is pretty key, especially early on, um, to be able to block things. Uh, so Vagabond is a good one to go for melee. Um, in terms of uh, 
magic. There's two big types in this. There's the glintstone sorceries, and there's also the incantations. And the first one is based on intelligence, and the second one is based on faith. And so for the intelligence one, uh, I believe Mitch started as an astrologer. Um, yep. So he, he'll be able to speak on that here in a bit, but that's probably the best one if you want to do straight sorceries. And in terms of faith, there's two that you probably want to pick from. There's um, the Confessor, which is kind of the magical all-arounder. They've got a really good spell called Assassin's Approach that silences your footsteps, so you can just run up behind people and backstab them. Um, so that's a really just fun way to play the early game stuff, uh, at least. And you also have a quick heal and a really good shield. Um, and the uh, Prisoner, no, not Prisoner, the Prophet is the other faith one. Uh, has a pretty good spear, decent dexterity, and a good offensive spell and a heal. And so those are the ones I'd probably gravitate towards if you were to play this game for the first time. Um, don't do the wretch. Wretch is very hard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I'll have is more it, of that in detail tomorrow. Is it that normal Dark Souls thing where it's like your your starting class is... It's more of a just like, here's the stats you're starting with, but everybody can yeah. kind of be anything? Yep. It, yeah, it's... Oh, okay. It's, it's, it's like starting starting equipment. Yeah, got it. Starting equipment is probably the the big thing. That's why Wretch starts at level one, but all stats are at ten, so nothing is neglected. But it's easier to level up, and so it's harder early game until you find armor and level to where you want. But it can help you later on down the line. Okay, I I have I have two questions for Mitchell. They're completely separate though, but they uh, just prepping you. Uh, <laughs> the first is side quest so you mentioned in your review and then you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that you don't love this idea of opening up a map and it's just like exclamation marks everywhere and things to do everywhere and so you talked about in your review how there are some the side quest you you talk to a person they kind of give you something to do but there's no quest log or anything like that you kind of just have to like remember it so for one is the, the do i need a notebook like, do I need to be writing this stuff down? Like, how how does that go? Or is it a lot like Dark Souls, where it's like, hey, the Onion Knight's here again because I did something or whatever, and now I never saw him again because I clearly didn't do something for him? It definitely wouldn't hurt <laughs> to have a notebook. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, and I again, I say this in the review, there's a trade-off, right? There's a trade-off when uh, you are... Ex- not explicitly being told where to go for things where you might forget that you even had a side quest to do. Um, But on the other side of that, it's really satisfying when you get something and you're like, Oh, I know exactly who to give this to. And you go, you know, directly to them and you know, you're able to continue that quest line just on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, And on the other end of that, you know, it's just it's. For, I don't know if this if this happens for everyone, but when I get about, you know, let's say twenty hours into an Assassin's Creed game, and I look at my quest log, and I just have twenty different side quests that I can do, mm-hmm. and some of them like are are from so far back that they they aren't even worth doing anymore because the reward I, I would get from it aren't like isn't even worth it. The stories themselves aren't worth doing. It's just. It's just taking up space and giving me anxiety mm-hmm. by having another marker on the map. Uh, I I I, can't, I hate that that kind of experience these days. It's not. It's one of the reasons why I don't like playing open world games all that much anymore. Um, so, like for me, the trade off is worth it. The trade off of not having all those side quests assaulting my senses 
whenever I pull up a map, which you have to do a lot in this game, you, you're, mm-hmm. you're constantly being, you know, you're constantly charting your own path through the world. You're, ta- you're constantly using fast travel. Uh, it just leads to a, a much cleaner look of the map when you're able to just open it up and just see fast travel points. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would like a giant. <laughs> I would like a giant canvas print of that map. By the way, it's, yeah, it's, it's such a, a good map. It's a really cool looking map. And it, it, the way it fills itself in is really cool too, because you find these map markers um, as you as you go across the world. And what's nice is that there's there's kind of like a as you play through the game, you can kind of like understand the the game's language a little bit. There there will always be a map marker on the main path of every region. So if you mm. so if you want to just you know spend time at the beginning of the game and unlock as much of the map as you can, just follow the main path and you'll be able to get it. Um, and then there's also like you know there's other things where if you see a small glowing tree. You'll be able to find a golden seed, which will increase your your amount of uh, flask uses. If you see a a giant, or not giant, the giant air tree is like the the big one. But if you see a minor uh, air tree, you can go there. And you can expect to to fight a specific boss, and if you win that fight, you'll get uh, crystal tears, which do you know this this whole other thing. There's just like a really nice visual language that develops as you as you play the game. That's just really really satisfying to. To, to feel like you understand. Hmm. And then finally, just because we're kind of running out of time, I would I I think we could probably talk about Elden Ring for <laughs> several more hours. But also, Mitchell wants to go to bed. He doesn't work today. He's he's just here for so us. Tired. <laughs> uh, that, that's actually that's actually kind of how I want to like that. That's actually something I want to address. So, um. Uh, I've worked at IGN long enough. I started right when Bloodborne uh, kind of had had like finished. I started the same year Bloodborne came out, but the the review was already done. But I was here for Dark Souls three. The Dark Souls three would be the most notable one for me because I I didn't have a PS five for Demon Souls. I remember we got Dark Souls three like a month before yeah. before the actual game came out. And I, it's funny because the game came out earlier in Japan. I actually still have our Japanese copy of the game that we imported to be able to start playing it early. And uh, that did not happen with Elden Ring. We did yeah. not get a month with I, this game. I feel like we got Sekiro pretty, pretty early too. Oh, right. I forgot about mm. Sekiro. And so I kind of want to talk about you created a little bit of a discourse <laughs> because you beat the game, which is insane to think about. You are a, a, among a very small group of people that actually was able to finish the game in time. And so I want to talk about basically, do you? how do you recommend people play this game? Because I assume that that is not the way you would have liked to play it. And it's not the way you would recommend other people play the game. No, and I want I want to be clear about like one thing right off the top. Uh, you know, I was there was never any any pressure from mm-hmm. IGN to to beat the game before embargo. Uh, we have review review and progresses for that very reason. And in fact, like I think Rebecca did the the very same thing. She did a review in progress for her Pokemon Arceus review because she felt like she didn't have the 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 right runway to uh to be able to properly do do that review um my whole thing was that i 
was so in love with this game. I just didn't want to stop playing. And that's that's a me problem. That's just so, you know uh, something that is is a an issue with with how I consume video games. Um, mm-hmm. But it was never something that was you know pressured upon me by by Dan or by Destin or by anyone at IGN. Uh, there was always the option to do a, a review in progress. Um, but yeah, like in terms of, you know, how, how I would have wanted to play this game, I definitely would have wanted to, to be able to not feel like I had to go through the main, the main path as like regularly as I tried to do. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, there definitely were moments where I, I, felt like I needed to, to get further in the game. So I would like, you know, try to force myself through the main path, get bodied by a boss, keep getting bodied by a boss. And that's where that, that whole thing comes from of like, one of the most important things about this game is the, the ability to know when you've hit a wall and mm-hmm. to know that you can go do other things. Um, and that was a lesson I had to learn. Uh, I didn't intuitively know that. And uh, yeah, I think, Going in and and going in with the the mindset of just doing whatever I wanted before before doing what I had to do um, would have been a, a great way to a, a better way to to go into the game for sure. So the general takeaway I'm getting from this discussion is Elden Ring is is pretty good. It's a pretty, pretty good. good game. Yeah, it's pretty it's good. Fine. It's fine. <laughs> Mitchell's lukewarm on it. He, you know, he'd recommend <laughs> it if you have nothing else to do. Well, that that all sounds really, really cool. I, I'm super excited to play it. I, I haven't played even a second of it. I didn't get to do the network tests. I didn't get invited. I'm not important enough. Uh, and I've not even touched the final game because this was a busy month for video games and so you know you guys kind of switched from sifu and dying light and then i've been working on horizon i'm still working on horizon and then you guys switched over to elden ring and uh horizon's kind of wrapping as far as like coverage goes and so i'm i'm very very excited to to jump into elden ring but uh moving on there is a game called Aerial Knights Never Yield. I, I don't know much about this game, but Jada does. And we have an interview for it. So, Jada, what what are we about to watch and listen to? So, I'm sitting down. I sat down with the um, the creator, Neil Jones, who created a 3D side-scroller um, narrative um, game. It's kind of like an Endless Runner, um, but it's broken into stages. Um, just amazing music, amazing art style. This is was primarily developed by him um he he got Mm. a little bit of help on the soundtrack from a friend um but yeah so i kind of sat down with him and talked with him about um the process of making the game what it you know what he's uh hoping to see more of in the industry and just uh stuff coming to the game in the new uh update as it's uh the new content that's being added um it's not currently available for xbox and uh or it's only available for xbox and pc but it'll be coming to ps mm-hmm. and switch later but all uh our interview will be we'll kind of cover that as well cool so now we're going to do that thing where we awkwardly pause and pretend that we're going to an interview the interview should be there uh i don't know i'm not editing this episode that's kate so we're gonna awkwardly pause and uh we'll we'll throw it back to ourselves Hello, everybody and beyond. I am joined by the amazing indie developer 
Neil Jones, the creator of Aerial Knights Never Yield, a 3D narrative side-scroller that's just dripping with style and fun. Uh, hey, Neil, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This is amazing. I've been watching Beyond Forever. Uh, I've been watching you all at IGN, and it's just really exciting to be here. So thank you for inviting me. Awesome. I didn't know you were a fan of us. That's that's really cool to have you on. I'm glad I reached out. Uh, so first and foremost, thanks again for coming on Beyond and chatting with me about uh, Aerial Knights Never Yield. Um, I know we've got the latest editions that are dropping. They dropped Some of them dropped already. Some of them are coming um, in the, uh, the content update, duh update. Um, and that's available for PC and Xbox now, but it's hopefully coming soon for PlayStation and Switch because um, I'm waiting to get my hands on it for my PlayStation version. Um, uh, for those of you who haven't given it a spin, I highly recommend it. And if you like platinum trophies like me, it's definitely a very fun one to get in roughly about a day or so. Um, but it even had me coming back and still has me going back playing and trying to just hit those best times. Um, Neil, for those who haven't tried the game out yet, uh, can you tell our listeners as the creator, what is Aerial Knights Never Yield all about? Oh, thanks so much. Um, Aerial Knights Never Yield uh, is a narrative runner, what I like to call a narrative runner. So uh, think of your classic runners, but with a few updates and a few upgrades. Um, I try to take a genre that people haven't done much with in the past few years and just bring a lot of style and flair to it um, that, you know, only you know, somebody outside of the game industry could really do. Um, so, you know, it's something that, uh, I, I made to kind of be a really chill and laid back experience. So you just play it, enjoy the music, enjoy, um, the laid back gameplay and just have a good time, you know? Um, it's so easy to kind of just jump in and play. I really loved that about the game. Um, how did Never Yield come to be? Like I saw the Nintendo Indie World Showcase back in April of last year. Um, that was my first exposure to the game. Was that its debut? Uh, I, I showed it off at a couple shows before that, you know, just a couple of smaller events. Um, uh, the Mix, hosted by uh, Justin Woodward, um, he was the first one to re really reach out, and I kind of put together a, a trailer really quickly uh, for him. Uh, and, you know, people really enjoyed the trailer and really enjoyed what I was trying to do. Um, and, you know, the, the opportunities just came out from that. Awesome. Yeah, I was instantly enamored with the visuals, the music, the gameplay. Like, I love my Endless Runners. I love that kind mm -hmm. of, like, perfecting a run to get the best time possible. Um, what was it like for you at the time having your game showcased in that Nintendo World Showcase that almost guarantees millions of views on, the, on your game? What was that like for you? Yeah, at the time, I was, like, wrapping up development. So I was just, like, super stressed about development. Um, and making that video, um, I'm, I'm, I'm like really quiet and chill in the video, but I was like so nervous. I made that, I had to re-record that video at least a hundred times. Uh, I was sweating the whole time. Um, I'm glad people couldn't tell though. Uh, but it, it was, it was a really awesome opportunity. I'm so thankful that, uh, Nintendo reached out and was interested in the game. Um, I kind of just put trailers out there. I kind of just make things and, you know, if people are interested, cool. But um, this this game was always just meant for for some for something for me, something that I was interested in. And I was always hoping that other people would like it. But um, it just kind of like this kind of happened, really. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy to hear that Nintendo reached out about that. I know they really have a big focus on their indies collection and games that they're putting out for like uh, or supporting and publishing, not publishing, but putting on their platform. Um, so I'm really happy to hear that. Like we need more games like Never Yield to be showcased in these big events like that. Um, yeah. 
You've also worked on a few other indie titles prior to Never Yield or right around the time of Never Yield. Uh, some people, some may not have heard of like Click, uh, Murder the Reaper. Yes, I did some diving in your history. And I was, I was <laughs> like, I was really, I was like, okay, all right, I'm getting, I'm becoming a big Neil Jones fan of this game. I'm waiting to see this, <laughs> the next project. Uh, but some of the other more recent releases others have shown uh, in showcases, Jet the Far Shore was in a PlayStation State of Play. Uh, Dot's Home uh, was showcased in a, a few other events. Uh, what was it like working on those games? How did it differ from your time spent on Never Yield? Yeah, Never Yield um, uh, is really more creative, like uh, as far as you know, my perspective, because I can just kind of make decisions. I could kind of uh, have a dream about a certain mechanic or a certain level and kind of just go wild and do whatever I want with it. Um, but working on Jet the Far Shore, that was an amazing experience. It was my first experience working with, you know, a large team for a large scale project. I just I was just an artist on that project. But like all of those incredible people who worked on that game um, and, you know, just being able to help out with a little bit of that I did was uh, super, you know, amazing. Um, it was just a crazy year. All these games came out around the same time, even though. Um, it was like a two year process of, you know, me working on them and stuff. Uh, and that's the far, uh, that, oh, I'm mixing up names <laughs> now. <laughs> that's uh, home. That, yeah. Uh, that's home. Uh, uh, people don't know, but, uh, my grandmother, uh, Dorothy, um, the, the main character was based off of her, uh, wow. and, you know, just living in Detroit. Uh, and it, it was just like really cool and awesome to work with so many, uh, different people of color specifically on that game and uh, all the like different views uh, and standpoints that came out of, you know, us kind of collaborating for the first time. It was a lot of people's first time working on the game at all. So it was like, uh, that was like a really special experience. And it was like, uh, there's a lot of like bigger names in like game industry and comics and, and, uh, and writing um, all kind of coming together to kind of work on that project. So that one was like, I just had all these amazing experiences over the last two years. And I'm just super grateful uh, to that people, you know, kind of look me out and like kind of add me to these uh, uh, amazing things. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, hard work gets rewarded. Um, yeah. Dots Home, for those who don't realize, it's a point and click narrative adventure about um, navigating the housing crisis and developing generational wealth. Um, for a black family. Um, and it's kind of got a time traveling element to it. Um, highly recommend. It's a free download on Steam. So anybody can go and try it. Um, highly recommend it. Um, yeah, I've been following you on Twitter for a bit. Um, and I've been seeing you talk about uh, your, you have a goal this year of playing, what, 100 games? Is that right? Yeah, over the last couple of years, I've just been playing so many, uh, you know, working on my game and, you know, so many other people's games. That I haven't really had time to, like, sit down and play games. And that's a big part of making them, um, I think, uh, to understand, you know, from players' perspectives, you know, what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, what is kind of overdone. You kind of got to be there and play these games, even if it's only for a certain amount of time. Um, but I, I feel like I missed out on so much. That I kind of just wanted to spend a little bit of time now that the game's out, now that the update is out on some platforms and coming to others, that I can like just you know chill and be a gamer again for a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, how's it coming along? What are some of your standout favorites so far? Uh, so uh, I've, I've been making my way through indies first and then trying to uh, come back to a few of the triple A's because they're, they're so long. Um, mm -hmm. But Inception... Uh, was it Grindstone? Gridstone? Grindstone, I think. Grindstone, Grindstone like a little puzzle amazing. puzzle game, right? 
Yeah, I don't even like puzzle games like that, but mm-hmm. Grindstone. I mean, that, okay. I, don't, I don't know why that's so good to me, but I, I love it. It's Cappy. I think it's Cappy. Whatever they make, I'm I'm all in. There you um, go. After Party, uh, uh, Deraria. Uh, I play uh, Samurai Zero a little bit. I just started uh, a, a AAA game, um, uh, Judgment, Lost Judgment. Okay, Lost Judgment, yeah. I, yeah, that game is wild. I like that a lot. I haven't gotten around to those ones yet, but they are on the backlog. That is uh, that is the the true um, mark of a gamer. We all have got those backlogs um, that we're yeah, all I'm trying, trying to, to make work my way through. slowly. Um, well, yeah, you know, you spoke about, you know, kind of, you know, having to jump in these games and play these games to really, you know, get an idea of like what people are actually enjoying, where what patterns and trends are emerging. Um, and Ariel Knights just kind of draws you in, uh, it, this anime sci-fi version of Detroit. Um, and it's so easy to jump into how important was it to you that it's accessible players of different skill levels? Yeah, so um, me, I don't, I don't like being frustrated uh, very much with games. I like it being an option, uh, but uh, if people play my game, they'll notice there's no easy mode. It just starts with normal, and then you can uh, increase from there. But uh, everyone starts at at normal, so that you know, little kids, people who've played runners before, people who haven't, kind of all start off with that base fundamental understanding of how it works. And then uh, the game isn't meant to like kind of be hard. It's meant to kind of uh, just something to turn on on a Sunday morning um, when you don't have anything else to do and just like kind of enjoy. Um, so I kind of want to like refocus on that because I feel like gaming has become more of a you know how hard can you know how yeah. hard can the game be, how long can the game be type of thing. But uh, I don't think length or difficulty should be the focus of gaming. I think it should be more of like, do you enjoy it? If so, then, you know, it's a good game. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, it was one of the games I did in my annual trophy sprint. I take the last two weeks of every year to try and see how many games I can 100% get all the trophies. Um, And this one popped up on my list this year. I picked up 11. um, So it was one of the 11 of the elite (laughs) for 2021. Um, so I was, and I, I think I actually did play it on a Sunday. Funny enough. I think it was a Sunday, <laughs> Sunday morning. I sat down and just played through it. And I was just, I, I sat on the, just the, some of the stages, just listening to the music for a while. Just like, I was just like, I'm so nice. into the tracks here. Um, I actually just ordered the vinyl too. Cause I saw we did a, you guys did a reprint for the vinyl. Yeah. So I'm waiting for that to get here. So then I can listen on a repeat without <laughs> having to have my PlayStation on burning up, you know, extra power. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my, uh someone called uh never yield they said it's a good palate cleanser game they played mm. it in between two like massive games and that was the biggest compliment for me because that's always what it was meant to do yeah that's great <laughs> uh and it, it, the game has so much heart and soul poured into it uh what were your core like you talked about your core philosophy kind of being fun um and just kind of like you know anybody can play it um what point during development did you know you had something special Oh, I didn't. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I was just I was just out here trying to make something. Um, I, uh, I had a rough time just trying to find like a place for myself in the game industry, because as like anybody, you know, knows trying to get in the game industry is incredibly hard. And mm-hmm. people, people of color, specifically black people, um, have a notoriously impossible time trying to uh, make a uh, space for themselves. So before I gave up, I just decided I was like, hey, I'm going to just make something that I enjoy to kind of justify all these years that I put into learning all of these tools. Um, so, 
you know, out of that became, you know, Never Yield, something was that was based in Detroit with uh, a character that was based off of like people that I looked up to growing up uh, with music from my best friend, Dan, who like I, I've known since I was a kid. Um, and, you know, like everybody enjoys his music so much and thinks it is incredible. Um, I keep telling them, like Dan has been here. He's been making incredible music. He just hadn't had an opportunity to kind of like get it out there. So I, I was uh, I'm just super grateful and like uh, appreciative that people enjoy it. That people are noticing Dan's music and noticing, you know, the art and like the style of the game. Um, and it's a game that comes from di- somewhere different. You don't get a lot of games out of Detroit. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's a different perspective, different character, um, a character that's, you know, really passive. That's just trying to kind of uh, has a goal and is trying to make his way to that goal. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, and, you know, uh, I'm going to circle back to a couple other things, but. I wanted, while we're talking about, you know, black folk in the industry and, you know, uh, it's no secret to you or I that there's not many that look like us or any of the other underrepresented communities in the industry. There's not as many as uh, the other counterparts. Um, and I'm sure we have a few listeners out there, regardless of their background, that have a goal, dream to work in the industry or create their own games. Uh, what advice do you have to those listeners out there who are just starting out or been intimidating by even starting? Because I've messed around in Unity Unreal. I've made a couple little games, nothing on the par on par with Aerial Knights Never Yield yet. But uh, you know, it's there's a lot to take in. What, what what advice do you have for those budding game designers out there? Yeah, so uh, pretty much uh, every black person in the game industry had a completely different path into the into the game industry. There's not a, a set path. Ten people will give you ten different answers. Um, so advice doesn't really work. Um, with black game developers specifically, mm-hmm. but game developers in general. Um, but for people who want to just be a part of the game industry and find it really intimidating, um, I think it's always best to just kind of open up a program and like play around with it, see what you like. You know, don't uh, don't take it as this big scary thing. Just take it as something that you're interested in and that you want to try out. And if programming's not your thing, if art isn't your thing, there are so many other jobs in the game industry that no one talks about like HR and just, you know, there's people who fly around to like different studios and just kind of see what their needs are and try to, you know, navigate those needs and help with porting and all types of things with marketing and all of these other jobs that people, uh, if they're, you're interested in can apply for, um, and that there's, there's a need for. So I always suggest, you know, um, look into gaming, um, but don't necessarily be stressed out about just programming and art. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I've always tell people to, uh, you know, we get a lot of, I do the first Friday AMAs with our staff and a lot of people are like, how do I get hired at IGN? How do I, you know, write for IGN? How do I do like this? And the biggest advice we always give everybody is just start doing something, whether that's making a blog, editing videos. It's, I imagine it's somewhere on the same lines with game development, just download unity or unreal. They're free programs. You get, there's tons of like tutorials on the, on the internet. You can look at build something simple. There's, People, things that you can make. I think you have some tutorials and stuff on your uh, your page for how you made some stuff. So check out Neil Jones's yep. uh, uh, which call it his his website and see what he's made and you know start there. Um, so one of the things I do want to hop back to real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. You're talking about the gameplay, you know, not being difficult and stuff like that. It's very smooth. It's fluid. There's a lot of segments where I felt like I should have crashed into an obstacle, but I didn't. Even when I'm playing on insane. Uh, but they give you give us a little bit what I like to call like coyote time, 
from like old school Looney Tunes where, you know, the characters above the air and they have a few seconds before they realize it, they can kind of react. Uh, it felt very intentional. What was the thought process behind this? Yeah, so for the first level, um, uh, w w when I first designed the game, like slow motion um, and giving players time to kind of understand what's coming was always a goal. Uh, specifically, when I did my early play test and took it to certain events, uh, younger kids loved it. Uh, it was the only way they can complete levels. And um, it was their favorite part to kind of like have time to kind of see what was happening. You know, and uh, people who never played a runner before or didn't like runners, um, like really appreciated it. Uh, because runners are very intimidating sometimes and really hardcore, where if you make one small mistake, that's that's pretty much it for you. Um, so even with the obstacles and, you know, the timing of the obstacles, I want to give, uh, you know, leeway to say, hey, you know, uh, you might, you know, clip the obstacle a little bit, but I'm not going to punish you for it because it's not that type of game. Awesome. Uh, yeah, no, and I really appreciate that, especially uh, one of that the building scene where you're running up a building, being chased by like helicopters crashing and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was that was definitely helpful there. Um, so, like I said earlier, um, I'm eagerly awaiting all the new stuff coming into update. Uh, it's going to have more levels and endless modes with leaderboards, correct? Um, more of the yeah. uh, that addictive soundtrack composed of hip hop, rap, soul, trip hop. Um, <laughs> And uh, now I heard I heard, I think, in another interview that you guys, when you and uh, Dan were working on the soundtrack, you guys had to listen to the tracks for like two days. Yeah. So we, me, me and Dan are real specific about art. I mean, well, music. Uh, so the, the process was a really long process for each song. So we have like uh, 50 songs, maybe uh, like we cut pretty much all of them except for like, 15. Um, for the original game. Um, and the process went more of like, I would have uh, each level told a part of the story. Um, I would build out parts of the level and give it to Dan so he can have the look and feel and a little bit of the, the knowledge of what was going on in the level. Um, he was build out the the bass and, you know, a couple of musical loops uh, and send it, and we would go back and forth and say, hey, at this, hey, at this part of the level, I want this to happen specifically in the last level. Um, there was a lot of that where people notice um, the lyrics stop and, and you know, something happens mm -hmm. uh, and it's really, you know, creative. But um, the the important part of uh, our back and forth was the fact that after a song was, you know, completed, um, we will both have to listen to it on a loop for two days because like gamers will have to listen to this constantly if they like the game. So uh, we can, you know, listen to, if we can't listen to it for two days, then we can't expect a gamer to kind of listen to it on a loop or over and over again if they if they play the game or play the level multiple times. Um, and then after, you know, we both made it through those two days and said that we weren't annoyed by the song <laughs> by then, uh, that, that would say we can put it in the game, but uh, we didn't necessarily put every one that made it through that process um, in the game. That's awesome. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be able to enjoy it yourself if you want others to be able to enjoy it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so you said you guys made like fifty tracks, and only like fifteen made the reason made made the the final cut. Um, are we getting any of those tracks that got cut remixed or added in to update any of those make make it that way? Yeah. So the prologue uh, song got replaced with a new song. 
um, the the Endless Mode has a whole remix of pretty much all of the songs mixed together nice. on, uh, as one big loop. So as long as you can stay alive in the Endless Mode, you can listen to that, uh, that song. So uh, that's kind of your reward for playing the Endless Mode. Um, you know, uh, leaderboards, mobile versions, and all of those things. Uh, we made a few tweaks, but they're they're all basically um, the same in, in the update. Awesome. Um, cool. Well, we are running down on time, but and I know the update's still on its way to PlayStation and Switch for users like myself. I've said multiple times because I'm super excited and I'm just waiting for that update to hit my console. Um, and I know we spoke before the show. You didn't have really any other big projects currently to prom- uh, to plug because you're just finishing up the the final. You just finished up on the update. You're you're taking some time enjoying your games. Um, but I know you like to support other voices like us in the industry. Um, do you have any recommendations for others in the industry that our listeners and myself should keep an eye on? Any projects that you think uh, we should you know keep an eye f- out for? Yeah, I always uh, direct people towards um, uh, Justin Woodward and all of the things that he does. Um, as far as uh, Black Voices in Gaming, it, he has a whole website. Um, set up with, you know, uh, uh, games that have come out recently or, or coming out soon uh, with all of the, the content, I mean, well, not content creators, but all of the developers who worked on those games, as well as uh, the big organization that you can find on Facebook, which is a collaboration of a lot of uh, black game developers, as well as people in the industry in general. Um, you know, the, the Xbox, uh, uh, I forgot what their fund is called, but it, it supports the first creators mm-hmm. as well. There's, there's a lot of organizations that kind of appeared and popped up over the last couple of years that really focus on, uh, just kind of supporting, uh, different creators and different, uh, types of games. Um, and I think supporting any of them, um, is a step forward. Awesome. Thank you. Very well said. Um, I'm super excited because I'm doing the Black History Month charity stream with Justin Woodward yeah, on Friday. <laughs> so I'm super excited uh, that you dropped his name in this interview because now I can be like, hey, I was talking to Neil just the other day. Let's uh, he's he's, you know, yeah, he's that's talking you up. He's, he's dope. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, well, uh, thank you to all our listeners and a major thank you to you, Neil. Uh, Neil Jones, the creator of Ariel Knight's Never Yield, for joining me today. Uh, you can find Never Yield on all major platforms, PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, PC. And for those wanting to check out the new content added in the update, uh, it's a free update. It's available for Xbox and PC users and will be coming soon um, to play Switch and PlayStation. Uh, thank you again, Neil. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, and uh, thank you so much. Um, and with that, I will toss it back to Mark for the rest of the Beyond podcast. Wow, that was great. That was a great interview, <laughs> Jada. I loved it everything was. about that. I cannot wait for this game. Uh, so yeah, now we're. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so facetious. <laughs> I just, <laughs> the game's already I, out, Mark. You I'm sure play. the interview was great. Really, genuinely, to me. <laughs> to to be to be fair. You haven't even shot the interview yet. So I haven't yet. <laughs> maybe it was a train wreck. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to temper expectations. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was a thing. Who knows? Uh, okay, so we got a little bit of time left. There was a, there was a little bit of news, a little bit of PlayStation news that we can run through. Uh, the biggest being that the PlayStation Plus games for March were announced. It is that Wednesday where they get announced, and then the games will be available on Tuesday. So uh, Mitchell, this is a very this is a very Mitchell list that uh, you know. If you thought you were getting off the hook of not having to talk anymore, this podcast you, you don't. <laughs> so uh, the lineup is Ghost Runner. For PS5, 
Ark Survival Evolved for PS4. Team Sonic Racing for PS4, which is a big Mitchell game. And then uh, for PS4 and PS5, you get Ghost of Tsushima Legends. Not Ghost of Tsushima. Just the multiplayer version of it. So uh, Jada disappeared. She's just in a black void now. So uh, Mitchell, we'll start with you. What do you what do you think of this lineup? You reviewed two of these games. So well, I reviewed Ghost of Tsushima, not Ghost of Tsushima Legends. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Ghost Runner is fantastic, man. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's such. It's such a I, I hate to, to say this. It's such a Mitchell game. <laughs> it's just a game that's all about like really fast action. Um, it's that whole thing of like, you know, dying, dying, dying until you 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 perfect a, a small chunk of the level. And then when you get that perfected run, it just feels super, super good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love Ghost super, Runner. It's not super long. Uh, and it's, it's, it looks really good. And there, there, I think there's DLC coming out for it soon. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's uh, definitely check it out. If you haven't, um, I've not played team Sonic racing. I have not played arc survival <laughs> evolved. Um, but ghost of Tsushima legends, if it, it's, it's such a surprisingly good multiplayer mode for, for a game that you wouldn't expect to have a multiplayer mode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it really focuses in on the the combat of Ghost of Tsushima, which is fantastic. I think mm-hmm. I say in my review that I think it's the best, like, you know, open world sword combat that I've ever played. And I think that still holds up. Uh, I, I don't think that's a very large list of games <laughs> that it's in competition sure. with. But I think it's better than at least Shadow of Mordor, um, which I know yep. probably people would disagree with, but I'll, I'll say it. I think it's better than Shadow of Mordor. <laughs> he said it. Yeah, I've never. I, I played. I have the platinum trophy in Ghost of Tsushima, but I never played Legends. And I, I, I love this idea of them being like, you know, hey, we're not ready to give away Ghost of Tsushima, but we'll give you, you know, the free multiplayer. So that way, you know, hopefully it'll. Not that it's dead. I don't know if it is or not, but hopefully it'll breathe more life into Legends and and get people playing that again. Uh, how about you, Ronnie? D- does this list do anything for you? Yeah, I, I played quite a bit of Legends. Um, I didn't do the raid or anything like that. I didn't max out my level because I had to move on to other games. Uh, I didn't play Team Sonic Racing. I did play a lot of Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed, which is fantastic. So I can only imagine this one's good, too. Um, J- Jada, <laughs> please tell me you played Team Sonic Racing. I can do you one better. I actually won a Team Sonic Racing trophy. <gasps> oh, my oh, my God. What? <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> wow so this there is was happening a, this was there was a press event uh back in 2018 or 2019 whenever the game launched um and i was there with a group of other press uh members for all the outlets this was before i joined ign so unfortunately it's not an ign trophy mm-hmm. um but i would i took home the first place trophy and i was also the mvp of that day so i got to take home this very slick sonic uh team sonic racing like full on like nascar racing suit so i have that full outfit um that i won from uh the tournament that day uh for the press tournament and there was like 40 people there my Um, goodness so yeah it was it was in london it was they flew me out for it it was amazing it was it was a really cool event i the game also is really good it's if you like mario kart it's kind of like think mario kart double dash each person has their own car and you can pass items between each other 
and to help each other. And you can create like drift lines for each other to help speed up your, your allies. Um, there's just so much good content for this. I really hope more people will check this out. It's got a decent story mode for a racing game where you're playing through and you have other objectives and side races and stuff to do. So highly recommend Team Sonic Racing. Um, I, can't, Runner, I, I can't believe we got the most well-rounded cast yeah. for play- like every, every <laughs> single person here is like a super fan of one of these games. Except for yeah, Ark. The, except for, except for I, Ark. I, I, I was going to say Ark's Survival is the only one I haven't played on this. Yeah, I played me a, neither. A ton, I played a ton of Legends. Um, I think I did the raid like once, um, and that was really fun. And then I played Ghost Runner at, I think, like uh, Gamescom before mm-hmm. the Panini started. And so, um, yes, I call the pandemic the panini um, because it's just a healthier way for me to think about it. Um, (laughs) But um, I've never seen a healthy panini. Right. There you go. (laughs) Well, that's true. Um, I was kind of lukewarm on Ghost Runner uh, at the preview build, but I've been seeing so much good stuff about it post launch that I'm really Mm. excited to finally actually dive in and give it a shot now because it looks like a lot of fun. And if Mitchell's saying it's good, that's at least worth like. 50% 50% effort for me to try it. That's at least like <laughs> ha- gets me halfway there to wanting to try the game. So. Ghost Runner was one of those games that I speed ran it during the demo phase when it was just those first few levels. And I, I can't watch speed runs of it now. Cause I'm like, I was never fast. I've never, I thought I was pretty good. Uh, nope. They are, they are insanely good at it now. Um, we lost Jada again. She's going to get her other, she's going to get her ghost runner, uh, speed run trophy now. <laughs> so, uh, Moving on, we got we got a few more bits of news here. The PSVR got the PSVR two. We we know what it looks like now. Spoilers: It looks like a VR headset. It yeah, like they said it it has some cool venting and stuff like that. But yep, yeah, it looks like a VR headset. So that's cool. Be excited for that. And then um, finally, the oh, I also want to mention Horizon Forbidden West got a its first post launch patch. I don't see anything insane in there. It just looks like a lot of fixes for like graphics and there's a few bugs and stuff that it looks like they've kind of squashed. So that's that's all exciting stuff. I don't I don't know if anybody has any opinions on on either of those topics, PSVR or Horizon. (laughs) I am excited to finally like actually jump into Horizon now that I'm done with Elden Ring. (laughs) I'm excited for you to play it, man. I I love that game so much. Yeah. Horizon just kind of came out or like we got Horizon at a time where I, I just was not able to play it pretty much at all i I think i might have paid, put maybe four hours into it at this point mm. but like i went from sifu to king of fighters to elden ring and just have not had time to to really jump into horizon as much as i would want to yeah between that and destiny you're gonna have a lot of like because yeah. i i just started playing destiny i'm still playing horizon so it's there's a lot of video games. Uh, and then finally, we can go over this really quick. Uh, Street Fighter Six got announced. Yeah. It's, that's a video game that this panel Ooh. really cares about because you guys are all fighting games people. Even the producer, Kate, who's running the show, is a big uh, fighting game person. So uh, what, what's Get the hype here, level you on no, this you one? non-fighting game fan. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm yeah. going to go. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, what's the, uh, what's the temp check on this one? Is this going to be a fun game? Uh, I mean, we didn't get much more than uh, a little teaser mm-hmm. with Ryu and oh god, what's his name? Luke. Um, Ken. Luke. Luke. That's right. No, oh, okay. Um, I just took a guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, it, I think it's done in the the RE engine, which means it looks mm-hmm. fantastic. It looks very 
Devil May Cry 5-like, I, I would say. Um, and I'm excited to see what an actual fighting game using that engine really looks like because Street Fighter for a long time has has gone really heavy in in like a, a style like a stylistic choice direction. They've never mm-hmm. really been powerhouses in terms of of graphics, um, right. especially in like Street Fighter Four and Street Fighter Five. But this is looks this is looking like it's going in in you know another direction where it's it's focusing on hyper realism, and uh, I'm excited to see what that looks like. Ronnie, what are your what are your really talking about Street Fighter? We're 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 keeping it we're keeping (laughs) it short because we are dangerously low on time. Jada, let's Ronnie, let me let me get your real quick impressions and then and then Jada will run to you. (laughs) Um, I love Street Fighter. Third Strike's my favorite. I think Luke in SF Five looks dumb. I hope he looks better in this one. I love Street Compelling, compelling, all valid points. All valid points. Compelling, Jada. What about you? What's Uh, what's your hype level on Street Fighter? I'm a huge Street Fighter fan. I cannot wait for six. I need more info before I can make a full thing, but it looks great graphically. And hopefully the they, you know, improve the online, like with adding rollback netcode and that type of stuff that mm-hmm. the things that are truly important to a fighting game. And yep. then I, oh, I, oh my is. gosh. Is you <laughs> you should have yeah, changed those, into it. That would have been amazing. For those, <laughs> that, for those that are just I, listening, she pulled out a racing jumpsuit for Team yep. Sonic Racing. That is the second yep. second coolest full body jumpsuit after the Rez's trans vibrator suit. Oh, that mm, I've heard that one's pretty good. I haven't like gotten eyeballs on it, but I've heard good things. Have to look into you guys get nerdy on me. Don't get nerdy on me. You don't do that. Uh, yeah, so that's it. That's that's all the the big news there. You know, there's a few small things here and there, but that that was all the biggest stuff. Um, but before we close out, Jada, you are doing a really cool stream on Friday that I want to make sure people get the the word on. So uh, take it away. Yeah, thank you. So this Friday from three to five p.m. PST, Akeem Lawanson and I are going to be joined by some very talented content creators, including Kira Please, Big Cheese Kit. Ebonic Sims, Jahara Jade, Tatted Poodle, Jazzy Guns, and Justin Woodward to raise money for Black Girls Code. It's a nonprofit organization dedicated to te- help, uh, teaching girls ages 7 to 17 about computer, computer programming and digital technology. Uh, we're going to be playing Among Us. So if you have some time by Friday, stop by and hang out with us uh, for a bit and enjoy the stream. Uh, if you aren't able to make it, but you still want to donate, the ahead of time, the link is already active at donate.ign.com. Nice. That'll be a that'll be a fun one. So yeah, three to five on Friday, we'll be doing that stream. Uh, three to five PT, just so everybody knows. Yep. And that's it. That that wraps us up for this episode. Now everybody knows what it looks like to not have Jonathan Dornbush here. Uh, it's a train chaos. wreck, and uh, it's chaos. Hof- right. hopefully you liked it. But round it, of applause okay. for Mark Medina. It's, for it's okay if you didn't. <laughs> Great job. But Mark. yes, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, that's it for us. You can uh, follow us all on Twitter. I am Mark underscore Medina. Jada is Jada underscore Re- Gina, Jada underscore Rena. Rena. R I N A. Rena. Yep. Ronnie is what it's uh, at. Ronnie Barrier. Something like Ronnie underscore Barrier. I think. I'm I'm sure if you search hard enough, you'll you'll probably find there. it. And then and then uh, Mitchell is at Jurassic Rabbit. Uh, any last minute things you guys want to plug before we call it a day? Mitchell, I assume people should go watch your Elden Ring review. Yeah, go watch the Elden Ring review, and tomorrow go watch Ronnie's video of uh, of 
you know, what starting oh, class you should pick. Oh, three? Which, is way, three? which way is it? Yeah, I got three videos coming. Three videos. Tomorrow, well, so watch on the that one specifically. <laughs> awesome. Well, I don't remember all the things that Jor- Dornbush uh, says to close out the show, but uh, I'll just keep it simple. Uh, thank you guys for watching. I hope you're staying safe. I think he does say that, and I, ho- I hope so as well. And uh, he'll be back next week, and the show will probably be a lot better. But until then, beyond. 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 Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.